Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's now time to enter the Sports Zone with your host, Bob Kemp. Murray back up, Miokic fakes, spins the pirouette. And the bucket is good. 32 points, 20 rebounds, 10 assists. A masterpiece from Nikola Jokic. Jokic playing off him. Robinson trying to find an opening. Butler, corner three. It's good. Jimmy Butler, his second three-pointer of the game. Can Michigan pay it off? J.J. McCarthy, he'll run it with a lead. Touchdown, Wolverine. Went to the slider, Merrill Kelly with six strikeouts, and there's two outs of the sixth. Just enough downward movement to get Riley to swing over the top of that slider. Murphy has struck out twice, batting cleanup. Anderson up in the Braves' bullpen in case there's an 11th inning. And that's drilled to right field, and the Braves win the ball game. Ozzie Albies, a 3-1 walk-off home run. The Mets lose in 10 innings, 13-10. Series and the first time in the 62 year history of the New York Mets, they've lost three consecutive games in which they had at least a three run lead in every game. This is a gut check right here. No balls, one strike. Duran throws, swinging a high drive in the air to right, moving back Kepler to the track, to the wall, gone! Defeat the Twins 2-1. to 3-2. Swings here and hammers one to left field. Kelnick back, track, turns, looks. That ball out of here. Long gone beyond the Rangers' bullpen. That was a blast from Marcus. And the Rangers are on the board. A leadoff home run here in the top of the third inning. And we're tied at one. Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your sports own guide, Bob Kemp, on KDUSAM1060. Welcome to the Friday, June 9th edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. In today's Sports Zone, right here on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7. The finals, who you got tonight in Game 4? The Big Ten, will it challenge the SEC in football after adding UCLA and USC? The Diamondbacks, do you expect a weekend sweep? expect a weekend sweep at Detroit. The Mets, is it too soon to get the fork out? Meanwhile, Rangers versus Rays, is this weekend a postseason preview? And what else caught your eye since our last show? Here's today's schedule lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday. In moments, we have the introduction of today's pipeline. 9-15, a Diamondbacks and Tigers series preview. The latest on the Tigers with Corey Staben, uh, Stabenhagen of uh, The Athletic. 9.30 or so, it'll be interactive action at 602-260-1060. And also the local roundup, that'll include a little more Tigers and Diamondbacks or Diamondbacks and Tigers, depending on your viewpoint. 
Final segment of the show to be the National Roundup, topped by the latest line and also from the scoreboard. Then after the sports zone from 10 to noon, it'll be the extra point hosted by Kayla. That'll include a Belmont Stakes preview with Kayla and uh, Sean Alvarez, our horse racing guru. All right, on to the, uh, the pipeline we go. Time for today's Pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. And we start with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. And today's question, predictably, is who you got tonight, ATS, in Game 4 of the Finals. Denver laying 3.5 or Miami plus 3.5, and and Kayla has the early returns. Well, your absolute favorite, we're in a 50-50 split between the Nuggets and the Heat. Right. Okay, that's good to hear. All right, uh, you, know, you got two playoff oddities going here. The Heat have won, uh, actually the Heat have lost, excuse me, three straight playoff games at home, while the Nuggets, now remember the Nuggets, they were 19-22 and 22 on the road during the regular season. Now they've won four consecutive playoff games over three, over three different series. That started with the Suns, uh, elimination of the Suns here. Uh, but they've won four consecutive road playoff games, which is a little surprising. 19 and 21 on the road during the regular season. Seems like a very long time ago, that regular season. Meanwhile, today's Twitter poll question, will the Big Ten challenge the SEC in football after adding USC and UCLA? And Kayla, once again, has the early returns. That I do, and no leading the way at 60% of the vote. Yes, trailing at 40%. Cast your vote on Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. This question inspired because the Big Ten on Thursday announced its new schedule format starting in the 2024 season, which will include the elimination of the East and West divisions and one annual rival matchup for each team except for Penn State. And they also have a conference championship game still at the end of the year. By the way, Ohio State and Michigan will continue to meet on the final Saturday of the regular season. In addition to possibly meeting again the next week in the conference championship game. Meanwhile, on the local front, the Diamondbacks road trip continues at Detroit. Uh, the Tigers are 26 and 34 after losing eight of their last 10 games. And that came after uh, losing starting pitcher Eduardo Rodriguez and their best all around position player, Riley Green, to the injured list. Are, the, uh, are you expecting? And that's a key word here. Expecting the the uh, are you expecting the Diamondbacks to sweep the Tigers this weekend? Meanwhile, spanning the globe, the Braves rallied to sweep the Mets for a third straight night. Uh, they rallied a third straight night to sweep the Mets would be a better way to put that. Justin Verlander and Spencer Strider did not exactly turn out to be the expected pitchers' duel on Thursday night. The Braves walked away with a 13 to 10 win on Ozzie Albee's walk-off three-round homer in the bottom of the 10th inning. So uh, is it too early to stick a fork in the Mets' season? Meanwhile, the Rays and Rangers begin a three-game series tonight. 46-19 first-place Tampa and 40-21 first-place Texas are the two best offensive teams in baseball this season. Is Texas and Tampa a postseason preview? Also, in addition to all these excellent questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show? 
That is today's pipeline. We will get to all these tremendous topics and much more during today's sensational radio program. Anything else in your mind falls into the general discussion category. So whether it's from the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602-260-1060 or you can tweet the show at KDUSAM1060 or twitter.com slash KDUSAM1060. Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this. Coming up next, Corey will have a news update. That'll be followed by the uh, Diamondbacks and Tigers, a series preview. Corey David Hagen, uh, who covers the Tigers for the Athletics, scheduled to join us. Once again, at the bottom of the hour, it'll be more phone call time or phone call time. Uh, general discussion, 602-260-1060. Also, some local roundup. That'll be topped by a little more on the Diamondbacks and Tigers series for this weekend. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Kess Lux HD2 100.7. Wall-to-wall NFL coverage and the biggest stories coming to you from 3 to 5 p.m. The Rich Eisen Show here on KDUS AM 1060 and KDUS1060.com. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Kiss Lux HD2 100.7. You're home with the Dan Patrick Show live Monday through Friday from 6 to 9 a.m. The Diamondbacks and the Tigers begin a three-game series tonight at Detroit. Out to the KDUS hotline we go. And for the latest on the Tigers, we're now joined in the sports zone by Cody Stavenhagen of The Athletic. And, Cody, good to have you on the show. And let's start now. The Tigers are 26-34 and 34 entering the season, season opener tonight, 14-13 and 13 at home. How would you describe the, the first uh, you know, 60 games of the season? Well, first of all, thanks for having me. And, and secondly, it's been an interesting 60 games there's no doubt about that i think you know really for 50 of those games it seemed like the tigers were punching above their weight hanging in the thick of a al central race that is wide open for the taking you saw a young team that was fun had some energy riley green's finding its stride eduardo rodriguez is pitching like a Cy young winner uh, and then you're kind of a crash back to reality green and rodriguez they're now both on the il the tigers have lost eight of nine and six in a row uh, seems like this season is suddenly in, on thin ice a little bit. Um, it's been a rough stretch of baseball, and that they are dealing with a lot of injuries, trying to find a way to tread water until they get some players back. Uh, but so far, it hasn't worked out like that. Okay, we'll get into the, some of those things in some detail uh, here shortly. First up, I want to mention A.J. Hinch. He's the Tigers manager. He's a former Diamondbacks manager. Even though many years ago I quit blaming Hinch for you know the Diamondbacks days, he was just placed in a situation he wasn't ready for by then-general manager Josh Burns. Yeah, Hinch, of course, later won a World Series with the Astros. How would you evaluate Hinch as the Tigers manager? 
Yeah, I think Hinch is pretty well regarded around Detroit. I think uh, he's found a way to press a lot of the right buttons. He tinkers a lot in-game. He's been a very hands-on in-game manager. And I think for the most part, you can see his fingerprints on a lot of the good things that have happened uh, with the Tigers. From the outside, I don't know how much credit he gets because you look at the record and, look, they're not very good. Uh, but I think Hinch, he definitely did it his first year here in 2021. Things did not go as well last year. Uh, but overall, it seems like he's, he's found a way to get through to some players and maximize the little bit of talent he has. Uh, I think everyone in Detroit is interested to see what A.J. Hinch could do uh, if he ever gets a more talented roster uh, with the Tigers. Spencer Torkelson also has a local connection, having played at Arizona State before he was the first overall pick for the Tigers. He's hitting 223, five homers, 26 runs batted in, and 250 plate appearances. How disappointing are those numbers, and is there some hope for improvement this season? Yeah, it's been kind of fascinating to watch Torkelson over the past two years. You know there's a lot of talent. You know there's a great hitter in there. You can go look at the underlying metrics and the stat cast data. And he ranks highly in exit velocity and hard hit rate, and there are these numbers that can continue to uh, indicate that there could be some hope, some room for improvement, maybe even a sign of breakout is coming. And yet, kind of feels like we've been saying that for a while now. Uh, just hasn't translated to those on-field results. I think the Tigers have plenty of patience with Torkelson. They think his approach is a lot better than it was last year. Wing mechanics are a little cleaner than they were last year. Uh, behind the scenes, he seems more relaxed, more confident. You could tell he was pressing last season as a rookie. Um, so you keep seeing small little good signs, but you're just waiting for that breakthrough, and it's got to come at some point, right? Uh, the question yeah. is, how long is that going to take, and at what point, you know, do you admit maybe it's not coming? Uh, Torkelson's kind of been a case study in how much patience do you give a young player. doesn't always come easily. doesn't always come automatically. Um, but, but kind of what's that breaking point? I think that's what everyone's looking for with Torkelson right now. The biggest question about Torkelson when he was here at Arizona State was his defense and how that might translate after he left here. How has he been at first base? Yeah, that's kind of a good question. I think uh, you just look at the eye test, and sometimes it seems like Torkelson's a very good first baseman. He leads the league in, in scoops. He does a good job fielding throws from the bag. It seems like Javi Baez is always throwing the ball in the dirt, and Torkelson's always bailing him out. Uh, but... <laughs> But then you look a little deeper, and his defensive metrics are really lacking. He struggled on balls in play. Hard hit grounders really seems to struggle with pop flies hit behind him. You know, the Tigers, of course, tried him out as a third baseman in the minors for a little bit. That was kind of a failed experiment. You see signs of a good defender at first, but uh, the, the data actually suggests the guy who's really struggling right now. Cody Stavenhagen of the Athletic Curling in the Sports Zone. Um, you mentioned Javi Baez hitting 220 so far. Uh, does his large contract and limited production make him difficult or maybe even impossible to trade? Uh, yeah, I, th- I think so. You know, it's, uh, it's, there are definitely Tigers fans who are always saying, hey, some of the Dodgers, right? Uh, my response <laughs> to that is, what makes you think that the Dodgers or anyone else want Javi Baez? <laughs> You know, there's yeah. name recognition there, but uh, the production hasn't been there. He is still a very good defender, despite the, the series of bad throws that I mentioned. Uh, he can still get hot with the bad and then get ice cold. He's, 
he's kind of the same bias he always has been, except those highs just have not been near as high in his time with the Tigers. Uh, he has an opt-out after this season. Hard to see him exercising that. The Tigers are, are committed to pay him for uh, the rest of this season and, and I believe three or four more years after that. Right now it's not looking like a good contract, and it's certainly not looking like a contract that will be easy to unload. Staying with the trade theme, you mentioned Eduardo Rodriguez. He has a 213 run average. His whip is 098. Was maybe the top target pitching wise in uh, the trade market in baseball before he was placed on the 15 day injured list with the finger injury here recently. What's his injury prognosis, and has that altered his trade value? Yeah, a little bit hard to know. I think it's a very complicated discussion. His injury is a uh, a pulley injury, basically the thing that attaches the, the tendon to the bone in his index finger uh, ruptured. Mm. And it's a little bit of a rare injury, hard to know without seeing the MRIs, how long he's going to be out. I talked to a doctor about it, and it sounds like probably six weeks minimum uh, until he's able to really start throwing with high intensity. And then the question is how quickly can you get back up to the major league level? Um, and all that, you know, it looks like he could be cutting it close to the trade deadline. Uh, I think there are a lot of factors kind of swirling there. Is he healthy before the deadline? If he's not, is he still likely to opt out at the end of the year? If the Tigers do deem he's likely to opt out, can they still get as much value in return as they would like, given the injury? Um, I, I think it's kind of a difficult conversation, and a lot of it will depend on how long it takes him to get back healthy. Uh, my inclination is still to think, look, he was having a really, really good year. He's going to be back this year at some point. Uh, given what we saw the market look like for starting pitchers this past offseason, even with the injury, I think there's a good chance he still opts out. I think that makes him probably the Tigers' best tradable asset, probably in their best interest to trade him. But what was already a little bit of a difficult conversation gets even tougher given the injury. Speaking of injured pitchers, Casey Mize, Matt Manning, Terry Skubel, Skubel has an Arizona connection, all those guys at one time highly thought of, but now on the injured list. Is, is there a theory as to why all these Detroit young pitchers have been injured? Uh, yeah, brutal when you list it off that way, right? Again, tough to say. We know pitchers get hurt. We know drafting pitchers is risky. Uh, the Tigers under former GM Al Avila kind of staked their whole rebuild on starting pitching. They viewed it as the most valuable commodity in the game, um, and I think that's probably correct. But I think the reason it's the most valuable commodity in the game is exactly what we've seen. It's hard to develop pitchers, and it's hard to keep them healthy. Uh, the Tigers have drafted guys um, in mind who always seem to be a little bit at risk for injury. You know, Matt Manning's had some arm issues, and right when it seems like he's getting healthy, he takes a comebacker off the foot. That's kind of a freak uh, injury. Scooble, you know, had Tommy John in college. You would think he's good to go, but then he suffers a flexor tendon injury. Um, that's kind of the million-dollar question in baseball and has been for a long time. How do you keep pitchers healthy? Was yeah. it something the Tigers were doing wrong? I don't know. They did make um, some sweeping changes to their strength and medical staffs over the, this past offseason. Um, and I think they're kind of looking for answers like the rest of the baseball injury industry is. I think it comes back to the Tigers took a little bit of a gamble taking this whole thing on pitching, and uh, it has not worked out well. 
Talking with Cody Stabenhagen of The Athletic, talking Tigers. Of course, they uh, begin a three-game series tonight against the Diamondbacks in Detroit. Uh, staying on the injury front, you mentioned Riley Green, top position player, a young player, certainly top young position player. He was doing a lot. He was doing a lot of good things. Uh, hitting 296, five homers, six stolen bases, some really good center field play in the really big Comerica Park. But he was recently placed on the injured list with a leg injury. What has stood out about Green before the injury, and how long might he be sidelined? Yeah, Green's a really intuitive young player. He's he's uh, just kind of been a natural talent who has a great feel for the game. Soared through the minor leagues, took a little bit of a tough adjustment to the big leagues last season. Um, but like Twerkleton, you would always see those signs, right? And then unlike Twerkleton, Green really hit that breakthrough this year. Um, seemed like hits were always falling. The ball was always jumping off his bat. He started tapping into some pull-side power a little bit. And, you know, metrics would paint him as an average center fielder, but it seems like he's always making highlight real catches in center field. Uh, just a guy who has a great feel at the plate. He can swing and miss a little bit. The strikeouts were piling up, but he has that innate ability to adjust. You know, Green's a guy with a really, really high ceiling. I would put him absolutely in the same class as Corbin Carroll, even if maybe he doesn't get quite as much national attention. Uh, but now, you know, Green, he suffers a stress fracture or stress reaction in his left leg. Again, a little bit tough to know how long it's going to keep him out, but sounds like probably six weeks minimum again. So that happened the day after Eduardo Rodriguez went on the injured list. Really a devastating 24 hours there for the Tigers and, and looking like it might turn into a devastating six-plus weeks. Back on the pitching front, Alex Lang has been really good as a closer. In fact, great as a closer until the last couple of outings. Uh, no big deal or reason for concern those last couple of outings. Man, it's not fun being a closer or a reliever in the big leagues, right? Those are kind of volatile yeah. jobs by nature. Uh, I think Lang has exceptional stuff, uh, one of the best best swing and miss curveball in baseball. Uh, his command suffered a little bit the last couple outings. Fastball command suffered a little bit. Uh, I don't think it's cause for concern. I think it's one of those things that's going to happen throughout the course of the season. It's kind of unfortunate. It, it led to blow-ups and, and losses in back-to-back game. Obviously, you want to see Wayne dial it back in and get back on track, but I think we've seen enough from him now to know that this is a guy with really good stuff, a guy you can generally trust in the late innings. Um, it's just kind of a matter of, okay, how long will it take him to, to really get dialed back in? The trade deadline, less than two months away. Any thought of how Detroit might attack that? Yeah, uh, a little bit tough to know, given the state of the Central, right? We've sat here and kind of yeah. listed off a lot of unfortunate things with the Tigers, and then they're three and a half games out of first place in a really bad division with uh, their two best players and some other important assets on the injured list. Just given the state of this roster, I think it will still be uh, most likely the Tigers are sellers by the deadline unless they just really get hot between now and then. I think you know this is a team that has a lot of holes that needs to fill, that really needs to find a way to acquire some hitting talent. So we've talked about Rodriguez. If he's healthy, he's their most natural trade option. They'll have some other guys on expiring deals, Matthew Boyd, Michael Lorenzen, who's having a really good season, could be a, an attractive starting pitcher. Uh, and then I think the question becomes how aggressive do they want to sell? Do you want to part with some controllable young relievers like an Alex Lang, like a Jason Foley? question there is kind of what can you get in return? I don't know if the Tigers would be looking to make that move for kind of a middling bat, uh, but if, if 
right return is there, that could certainly happen. So, you know, I think they'll, they'll I think they're going to end up sellers. The question is how much are they going to sell? You mentioned Lorenzen. He's scheduled to start tonight. Uh, he's been uh, teasing us fantasy players for years, whether it be a starter or reliever or maybe even a little bit when he was a position player. Uh, yeah. But he has a two twenty, uh, 321 earned run average in 53 innings. What's your evaluation of him so far this season? Yeah, he's been really good. And uh, one of those guys who a little bit surprising. Like, I was watching him in spring training, and I was like, I just don't see what the Tigers saw here. Like, I don't really see the stuff. I don't, you know, nothing Nothing really jumps off the page about Lorenzo. But then the deeper we've gotten to this season, it's, oh, okay, no, the Tigers were right. They saw something that a lot of other people didn't. This guy who simplified his arsenal a lot. Um, I mean, he was throwing six or seven different pitches at one point. It was kind of like, okay, how about instead of throwing six pitches, you focus on your three best pitches, fastball, slider, changeup, throw them really well. And that's kind of what he's done. He tweaked the changeup a little bit. And it seems like the Tigers have done a very good job giving him uh, a plan of attack, and he's done a very good job of just going out and executing it, kind of finally looking like the pitcher a lot of people thought he could be earlier in his career. Things are, things are coming together nicely for him, and he's on a really good run right now. And one more pitching question here. Yeah, recent minor league call-up, uh, Reese Olson. I think he was called up over the weekend. He he pitched yesterday as kind of the uh, second guy, uh, and he was impressive at uh, at Philadelphia. What, what's your take on him on Olson at this point? Yeah, a guy who's shown a lot of talent, struck out a lot of guys last year in the minor leagues. Got up to a rough start this season in AAA. He's really struggling with his command. His fastball's always been pretty hittable. But he has a really good slider, a really good changeup. Uh, his ERA was in the sixes in AAA when he got called up to the big league due to injuries. So it was easy to see that going awry, right? Well, it turns out he carried a no-hitter into the sixth inning in his debut against the White Sox and then got the job done last night um, against the Phillies. So it's been kind of a pleasant surprise there for Riefels. And this is a guy who has some talent, but for him to sustain it, um, he's going to have to be able to get the fastball by hitters. He's going to have to be able to throw the fastball for strikes. Gone pretty well through his first two outings, um, but I think he still has some room to grow before he can really emerge as a major league starter. Okay, so what else should I be asking you, or and uh, and or uh, what are you looking forward to this weekend with the Diamondbacks and the Tigers in the three game series? Yeah, it seems like we've covered a lot. I think I think I'm looking forward to watching the Diamondbacks. Obviously, you guys have a heck of a ball club around there, and a team that stands uh, in pretty stark contrast to the Tigers, right? A young core that has made it to the majors and has all uh, had a pretty quick adaptation to the majors. Um, some starting pitching has worked out so far. Uh, some pretty good health. A team that lost 110 games two years ago and is now leading their division. Kind of a reminder: oh, these things don't always have to take seven plus years like we've seen with the Tigers. I think it's kind of a really interesting parallel, just the uh, trajectory of these two organizations. Yeah, I'm sad that Green's not going to be able to play. I would have been fun. Would have been fun watching uh, he and uh, and Corbin Carroll for three days, uh, among other things, roaming the outfield at Comerica, huh? Yeah, absolutely. All right, Cody, this has been great. I really appreciate it. Thanks much. Uh, we'll do it again, I'm sure, someday. Thanks. All right. Sounds good. Appreciate it.
My pleasure. Cody Staven Hagen of the Athletic. Excellent stuff from him. Card the uh, excuse me the uh, Diamondbacks and the uh, Tigers. Three game series begins tonight. I'll have more on that in the next segment. A little bit more on that, but mainly the next segment is phone call time. If you want to get in, general discussion 602-260-1060. 602-260-1060. Also, uh, I'll get into uh, depending on time li- uh, you know, limits, possibly. Uh, you know, another day, another DeAndre Hopkins thing out there. Actually, there's another one this morning, but I just didn't have time to jam that into the next segment. But, uh, you know, the one that was out there yesterday, I will get to for sure in the next segment, at least in a moment or for a moment or two. But don't hesitate to call if you want to interrupt. He's as, as brilliant as I might be in this next segment, if you'd like to interrupt on that. I'm not going to take it personally. 602-260-1060. 602-260-1060. You're listening to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLUX HD 2 100.7. Bringing you the latest sports topics weekly right here on KDUS AM 1060 with me, the Doug Gottlieb Show, 1 to 3 p.m. It's time for today's local roundup. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Castle Lux HD 2 100.7. In addition to the local roundup, it is phone call time. If you want to jump aboard right now, 602-260-1060. And we got time and room for you. If you'd like to uh, jump aboard, you can in this very segment. All right, on to today's local roundup, the 37 and 25 Diamondbacks after Thursday's postponement uh, continue their uh, now, I guess, kind of uh, altered and abbreviated uh, road trip, which is now a five-game road trip. And uh, tonight they begin the first of a three-game series at the 36 and 24 Tigers, which obviously we previewed with Cody and uh, detail in the last segment, but here's a little more. Uh, the weekend scheduled pitching matchups are today, Merrill Kelly, today at 340. Uh, different starting times for all three of these games, so pay attention. Merrill Kelly, 7-3 and three with a uh, 306 earned run average and a 108 whip, and that's even been better lately. He has 77 strikeouts in the season against the uh, previously in the last segment mentioned uh, Michael Lorenzen, Two and two with a 321 earned run average. He has a whip below one also, which is very good. 0.99. Uh, so if that's his, uh, you know, 0.99. And also 41 strikeouts in the season. Tomorrow at 10:10 uh, a.m. our time, Ryan Nelson, two and three with a 540 earned run average against Matthew Boyd, who is back in Detroit and has been a huge disappointment so far. Again, he was you know somewhat disappointing the last time he was in Detroit, uh, but he's three and five, uh, three and four, excuse me, with a 5.57 or run average. And then on Sunday at 8:30 in the morning is the Peacock game. Every uh, Sunday there's an 8:35 time, you know, our time game. Zach Gallen seven and two with a 2.75 earned run average against uh, Joey Wentz, who has been awful. Uh, one and six with a 7.29 earned run average. Meanwhile, the uh, odds makers still not respecting the first place Diamondbacks at the fourth place Tigers. The early Thursday batting line for today's game was the Diamondbacks, uh, you know, and Merrill Kelly with uh, their recent ace, Merrill Kelly, recent, the key word there. Uh, the Diamondbacks and Kelly just 145 favorites in this game with a total of eight runs. 
Kelly in his last seven starts has been magnificent. Six and zero with a 2.44 and run average. He's allowed 12 earned runs in his last 44 and a third innings. 52 strikeouts. His whip is at 0.92. Arizona also 17 and 11 at road games this season. I mentioned 37 and 25 overall, but 17 and 11 on the road especially impressive. The Diamondbacks also hot lately. They've won eight of their last 10 games. Corbin Carroll, 15 of 38 with a double and four homers over the last 10 games. Also, during those 10 games, the Diamondbacks are hitting 277. The team earned run average has been 330. They've outscored their opponents over the last 10 games by 19 runs. A couple of questions, I think, for the weekend for the Diamondbacks. Will Lourdes Gurriel Jr. and Carson Kelly return this weekend? Gurriel's been out all week because of a groin injury. Kelly's been out all season after he uh, you know, had a broken forearm when he was hit by a pitch during spring training. But Kelly has uh, been recently rehabbing uh, the rehab assignment this week at AAA Reno. And uh, it sounded like over the, you know, at least Wednesday that he might be activated this weekend. So updated National League West standings. Diamondbacks, uh, you know, did not play yesterday because of the postponement in Washington, so they're still 37 and 25. Uh, the Dodgers and uh, you know, Clayton Kershaw ended their uh, losing streak uh, yesterday. They had lost four in a row before they won yesterday, and uh, Kershaw dominant at uh, Cincinnati against the Reds. So the Dodgers are 37 and 26, and right now I don't really care what else is going on in this division. Uh, San Francisco's 32 and 30. Uh, they just had a winning series, however, at Coors Field. Uh, the Padres are 29 and 33, and then the Rockies are 36 and 28. Those teams, if uh, if the if, you know, the, the Rockies aren't going to get any better, but if San Francisco and San Diego start playing better, then I'll start taking them seriously, but not yet. Uh, certainly not right now. A couple other quick things in the local roundup today. DeAndre Hopkins. Not surprisingly, still a free agent. I might be saying this for weeks. Uh, we'll see how this goes. Uh, still officially with the uh, – when he was still with the Cardinals officially, remember he had that list of teams that, you know, with the quarterbacks and the, and the defenses that, and then so forth that he wouldn't mind playing with. He did mention Jalen Hurts specifically. So, you know, he would like to play for the Eagles, but are the Eagles interested in him? Yeah, from friend of the program, Jeff Kerr of CBSSports.com, Philadelphia doesn't need Hopkins with A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, but uh, he would be a luxury for the Eagles if they were actually to do that. And and uh, Nick Sirianni, the Eagles head coach, was actually asked specifically earlier this week about Hopkins, and he said, I'm really pleased with the group that we have. He also added to that, uh, Howie, Howie Roseman, the general manager, and myself are always looking for opportunities to make the team better. But I really love that room that we have, the room of the, being the wide receiver group that he has. Uh, they certainly, the top two guys are really good. And the, uh, Quez Watkins uh, is just 24 years old. And uh, he certainly showed some promise last year, too. And actually, uh, is uh, you pointed out in, in the CBSSports.com story here, none of the top four wide receivers last year for the Eagles, and they were all productive to some extent, none of them are over 25 years old. 
So doesn't seem like that Hopkins would be a particularly good fit in Philadelphia. Meanwhile, the Cardinals brass continues to add cornerbacks. They announced uh, that uh, yesterday that they'd been awarded the waiver claim on cornerback Kyler McMichael from the Bills. Uh, and they also released uh, linebacker uh, Mervin Pierre, uh, Pierre, Mervin Pierre, who I'm not familiar with, obviously, because I can't even pronounce his name, which is fairly easy to pronounce. Uh, McMichael, I, I'm familiar with him from his college days, where he played at Carol. He played at Clemson when they won the national championship in 2018. Uh, he went to, then he let, transferred and went to North Carolina. So I remember him at uh, in his college days. Uh, he hasn't done a whole lot in the NFL. He was an undrafted free agent with Tampa. Spent uh, last season on the Bills practice squad. But I'm all for trying to just add as much, you know, just see if these guys, somebody can stick. I mean, I assume they're fighting for roster spots, special team spots, etc. But, you know, they've added three corners this week via the waiver, waiver wire, and I think that's a – proper way to try to you know, just find a player if you get one guy out of all these waiver claims that can help you then it's worth the trouble uh, you know i don't know if you, know, the, you know, think there's a massive financial cost here now that's a good thing too but you know keep doing it meanwhile asu is heading back to camp tonazona uh new asu coach kenny dillingham announced that the program will return to Camp Tanazona from August 10th through the 12th. That'll be highlighted by, you know, a Saturday morning scrimmage, which will be open to the public. Camp T uh, was, you know, something that Frank Cush started way back in the day in 1959. Now, due to lots of reasons, field, uh, field renovations, COVID restrictions, weather um, I never got. I never got the idea. Herm Edwards was completely into the Camp T thing, but for whatever reason, uh, they have not uh, been at uh, Camp T since uh, 2019. Uh, my position about Camp Tonazona has not changed over the years. I think it's a waste. Uh, more years, I think there have been. You know, there's there's most years let's put it that way most years i don't think there have been there's been any connection as to whether asu went to camp t for a few days you know they've up there been up there as long as you know a week or back really back in the day it was you know two three weeks way back in the day but i don't think there's any correlation as to whether they go to camp t and all you know this bonding crap which i've never believed in obviously because i just called it bonding crap they could do that here, uh, but I don't think there's been any correlation to whether they've actually gone to Camp T and whether they've had a winning football season that particular year. All right, coming up next, we'll have a news update with Corey. That'll be followed by the conclusion of today's uh, sports zone with the National Roundup. That will top by the uh, latest line. Also get to look from the scoreboard for Major League Baseball. Time pending, some very key injuries in Major League Baseball to some of the more high-profile players in the sport, and uh, get to some of that. Yeah, uh, most likely get to some of that in the next segment. If not, certainly we'll get to uh, you know some of that when we get to the extra point. Hosted by Kayla, uh, stay tuned for that coming up from 10 to noon, and that'll include Kayla, you know, discussing uh, the uh, Belmont Stakes, previewing the Belmont for the weekend. I. Uh, 
think it seems like they're okay and going to race, even though they did postpone racing at Belmont Park yesterday because of the wildfires and the, and the uh, you know, air quality coming down from Canada. But it looks like they're to go for Saturday. You're listening to Sports with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Cast Lux HD 2 100.7. Hey, Phoenix, Doug Gottlieb here. I'm bringing the best sports talk weekdays to you. 1 to 3 p.m. right here on KDUS AM 1060. It's time for today's National Roundup. My computer is nuts on me here. Okay, we're back. All right, welcome back to the Sports Zone. My computer went a little wacky here, which is disturbing because I just got this thing updated and a little checkup a couple weeks ago, but it seems to be okay now. And that's a good thing. Good timing. Welcome back. Final segment of the day's Sports Show with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Kiss Lux HD 2 100.7. On to the uh, national roundup we go. And let's start with uh, the latest line for tonight in the NBA. Game four of the finals with uh, Denver at Miami. And uh, this has been pretty much uh, sitting on the Denver three-and-a-half-point favorite fairly i think maybe everywhere in the last 24 hours at least total opened at like uh you know around 210 211 and uh pretty much the same 210 and a half is the consensus number right now seemingly worldwide around the, uh, the nba and as far as this series go tyler hero with the fractured right hand he has been officially ruled out for tonight's game once again he will not play against the Nuggets, and uh, he obviously was injured. Uh, he broke his hand in the first game of the postseason when they played Milwaukee. Uh, there was actually optimism earlier in the series that Hero could be, avail- be available as early as game three, but he is yet to be cleared to play in this series. All right, from the baseball scoreboard from yesterday, it was Clayton Kershaw to the rescue on Thursday after two straight walk-off losses. Uh, the uh, you know the Dodgers and you know, they lost four in a row and you know, it was you know, the world's coming to an end and they might get swept in Cincinnati by the Reds. Well, yesterday Kershaw just completely dominated the Reds, the young hitters of the Reds who didn't seem to have much problem offensively the first two games of this series. They had no chance yesterday. Uh, Kershaw allowed uh, just scattered five hits. He did walk a couple of guys. Uh, also, Chris Taylor is 10th homer this season. And uh, the Dodgers are now, even with the two losses earlier this week, uh, they're now 10-3 and three against the Reds going back to September of 2021. Uh, before the game, just a follow-up from yesterday, we talked about Noah Syndergaard. Kayla asked about him uh, during the extra point. Uh, he was actually placed on the 15-day injured list yesterday with a blister in his right index finger. Uh, Robert said the Sunderguard will be out at least a few weeks uh, for both time to heal and get away from baseball uh, to reset physically, mentally, and emotionally. Okay, there's a lot of stuff there from Dave Roberts. Also, in the last inning of this game, the ninth inning of the uh, Dodger, uh, you know, relatively easy victory yesterday, ASU alum Austin Barnes. Backup quarter uh, catcher, and also usually Kershaw's personal catcher. He underwent X-rays on his right hand. He got hit by he got drilled. Oh, I saw this. This is the eighth inning. Excuse me, it was late in the game. The eighth inning, he got drilled by a pitch. 
that Roberts uh, not optimistic about Barnes doesn't look good and it didn't sound good is what he said about the injury to Barnes yesterday in that game. So the Dodgers, by the way, now move on to Philadelphia uh, to open a three-game series against the Phillies. Michael Grove, who's been a struggling young Dodgers pitcher, they've got a few of those that have struggled. Not everybody's Bobby Miller, who's a young pitcher who's been tremendous. Uh, but Grove, for instance, he's 0-2 and two with an 8-14 or run average, and he will face Ranger Suarez who has been really slow. Uh, yeah, he started the season on the injured list. Suarez was a really good last year and a ground ball machine and one of the reasons the Phillies went to the World Series. This year, uh, in his limited time, I think this will be his fourth start, I believe it is, since coming off the injured list after beginning the season on the IL. Uh, Suarez 1-2 and two with a 547 earned run average so far this season. Meanwhile, the Mets have now lost six straight after being swept in Atlanta. Ozzie Albies, a three-run homer that you heard at the top of the hour. That was without two. Well, that was with two outs in the tenth inning. The Braves rallied to beat the uh, you know, struggling Mets 13 to 10 last night. Uh, the Braves trailed 9-5 and 10-7. Uh, this is after the you know they came back and won after being three runs ahead in each of the first two games of this series. This was the first time since Atlanta moved uh, since moving to Atlanta in 1966 that the teams have won uh, the, the Braves won three straight games when trailing by three or more runs, and it's also the first time in Mets history uh, since 1962 that they've lost three consecutive games when leading by at least three runs. Also, Pete Alonso. I don't think he's officially been placed on the IR. That is the speculation for today. He returned to New York for further tests after he was hit by a Charlie Morton fastball on Tuesday night. Did not play Wednesday or Thursday. And uh, you don't quite believe the x-rays, apparently, so further examination. All right, this has been the Sports Sum with Bob Kemp. Stay tuned in the next two hours. It's the Extra Point hosted by Kayla. That'll include a little Belmont preview, and we'll certainly have more on tonight's Game 4 of the NBA Finals.